Ephesians chapter 6. We do have an outline in the foyer uh, that you can use to follow along with the message. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11 is where we'll begin. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery or the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I want us to notice that expression that we find in verse 14 of our text, The Bible speaks here of the breastplate of righteousness. It's the next piece of our armor that we'll be talking about. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the opportunity that we have to hear it. I pray, Lord, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but we would also be doers of your word. I pray you would instruct our our minds and our thoughts, and I pray you would help us to focus our attention on your word And may you be glorified, and may your word be glorified in us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the breastplate for a soldier was absolutely vital. It was used to protect the vital organs of the body, the the heart and the lungs. And you can imagine the importance of of a soldier before a battle to put on this breastplate for protection. For without the breastplate, one stab, one swoop, one one swipe, uh, and it would be a fatal blow. And so it was absolutely vital for the soldier to put on this breastplate. Now last week we looked at the belt of truth, and the Bible says to gird up your loins with truth. And we looked at the idea that the idea of truth there isn't the specifics of the Word of God, but it is the truth as a whole. It's where we stand. It is the faith or the foundation of all that we believe, the truth or the faith. And we are prepared to fight the good fight of the faith, of faith. And we are standing ready in the fundamentals of the Word of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 3, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the faith, this is the truth, that Jesus died for us and that we have life in him. This is important for the life that we live. We live in the truth. 
Imagine you're a soldier on the battlefield and you're wearing your armor and you're carrying your weapon and you're charging the foe. And as you, you look at the enemy charging toward you, you quickly, you quickly raise your shield to defend yourself and yet one of the arrows of the enemy sneaks past your, your shield and instead of piercing your flesh through your armor, it bounces off your breastplate. And, and that one piece of armor was so vital in all the armor that you were wearing that day. It is protecting your heart. It is protecting the vital organs of your body. Now, depending on the time period in Rome, a soldier would wear a different type of breastplate. In earlier Roman times, it looked like metal appearing to the shape of a soldier's body, but later on, it looked more like chain mail or leather with more flexibility and coverage than the earlier breastplates. And it's interesting because that breastplate would be connected to that belt of truth. And so they're all, they're all coming together, all connecting together. The belt of truth, of course, is our faith. And so we're connecting that, that breastplate of righteousness. We're standing upon that foundation of truth. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So what does the breastplate represent? And why is it important for our Christian lives? Well, let me give you some thoughts if you're taking notes with me this morning. I want to begin with this idea. Number one, the importance of the heart. The importance of the heart. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. It doesn't take long in a study of the Word of God to come across that word heart. And the heart that the Bible is talking about is not the organ that pumps blood to your entire body. But when the Bible talks about your heart, it talks about the core of your being. Our heart represents our thinking, our emotions, and our will. The Bible speaks of our emotions in John 14, verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Our intellect is found in Mark chapter 2 and verse 8. Jesus said, why reason ye these things in your heart? Our will is defined in Matthew 1.8 when the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. And so the heart is at the center of all that we do. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 20, uh, chapter 4 verse 23, you could write this down, make note of this scripture, it says, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the word there, keep, means to guard or to protect. Guard your heart, protect your heart with all diligence. From, from your heart flow your actions and reactions and your direction and your life. It all flows from your heart. And so the Bible says, guard it with all diligence. You know, even the words that we say come from the heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse 18. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses 
uh, false witness and blasphemies. Jesus said, from the heart come all of these ungodly actions. And so it is important, it is imperative that we understand that the heart is vital to the life that we live today. You know, Jesus knows the words that we say, but also Jesus knows the origin of the words that we say. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God knows not only the words that we say, but God knows how it was formed in our heart and how it got to our lips. You know, sometimes we may be around a person for a particular time and they will just blow up and start spinning out words and, and, and maybe in a, in a rage just start just lashing out and you, you think to yourself, where did that come from? It came from their heart. <laughs> and it finally reached the surface. And so Jesus said, listen, our words are formed in our hearts. Our life is lived from the heart. But we see also, letter A there, our heart determines our spiritual direction. Our heart determines our spiritual direction. Jesus gathered his disciples around him. And he said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now, to be of a pure heart is a heart for God alone. And we notice the psalmist spoke about this direction of the heart. He, he talked about being pure of heart. He said in Psalm 57 in verse 7, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. When we set our direction toward God, when we set our heart toward God, the Bible says we shall see God. We'll see God working in our life. We'll see God answering prayer. We'll, we'll see God at work when we fix our hearts upon the Lord. The reality is, is that if we're going to make a decision to follow God, if we're going to make a decision to live for God, then that decision is going to be a decision of the heart. You say, yeah, but Pastor Burns, isn't our heart already wicked? Doesn't the Bible say that our heart is sinful and desperately wicked? Who can know it? Doesn't the Bible tell us that we shouldn't follow the, the natural condition of our heart, that it will lead us astray? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. And that's why the psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The reality is we don't want to follow our heart and our sinful condition, but we want to follow our hearts with the wisdom of God and, and to refocus our attention on God and, and to follow the spirits of God, spirit of God's working in our hearts. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, the Bible says. And so we want that conditioning in our hearts. And so the Bible teaches us that our heart decisions determine our spiritual direction. And then we understand this, that Satan attacks the heart. If from my life 
the directions and actions and reactions flow from my heart, then Satan is right there to, to try to discourage me and to attack the heart. I think we would all agree this morning that the last thing the devil wants for a Christian to do is for them to fix their heart upon God. That's the last thing the devil wants us to do. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 15, the Bible says, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they have heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Why would Satan do this? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Satan knows that the Word of God will impact our heart for a faith decision to follow God. And so Satan wastes no time. The Bible says he cometh immediately and taketh the Word that is sown in their hearts. And you and I know all about this. We hear a Bible message. We hear the Word of God preached. And God's working in our hearts. And then there's distractions. And then there's this. And then there's that. And Satan is quickly there to try to pluck that seed from the heart so that we will not fix our heart on God. Satan doesn't want you to make a decision for Christ today. Satan doesn't want you to follow the Lord today. Satan doesn't want you to forsake sin and follow Christ. No, he wants you to continue on that pathway away from God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul the Apostle is writing to the Thessalonican believers, and he writes in chapter 3, verse 5, For this cause when I could no longer forbear, Paul says, I sent to know your faith. I, I wanted to know how you were doing spiritually. Why? Lest by any means the tempter, that's Satan, by the way have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. You see, the devil tries to impact our thinking and our emotions and our will so that we will not follow God. He shoots the arrows of doubt so that we will doubt the promises of God. He's busy trying to sidetrack us from light, right living and and a life that would please God. Listen, Satan wants that root of bitterness to grow in our life. He wants unforgiveness to be there. He wants us to be a bitter old Christian. That's his desire. He wants to spoil our hearts. He wants to ruin your heart. And that's, that's what Paul understood when he wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, to whom ye forgive anything... I forgive also, for if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Paul says, I, I forgive you. I, I'm not going to allow bitterness to, to, to spring up in my life. I'm not going to allow unforgiveness to be present in my heart. And he writes in verse 11, why? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Because that's what the devil wants. 
He wants you to be bitter at church, bitter at the pastor, bitter at every Christian, and bitter at God. And he delights in all of that. He wants to spoil your heart. And he doesn't want you to follow God. So I want us to notice number two, if we could, the illustration of the breastplate. So the Bible says we got to put our armor on. Because the heart is important and Satan desires to spoil the heart. It is God's truth of righteousness that protects our heart from the schemes and the wiles of the devil and the genius of the gospel. The genius of the gospel is that God doesn't ask us to imitate his righteousness. That would be impossible for us to accomplish God gives us a righteous nature by way of regeneration or to be born again. He places within us his nature. And, and this is what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9 as he writes to the church at Philippi. He said, and be found in him, that's Jesus, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through, uh, through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. And, and this is that righteousness. This, this is our standing with God. Righteousness is being right with God. And this is what he's talking about. Put on that breastplate of righteousness so that you can, you can protect yourself from the attacks of the devil upon your heart. I want us to see, first of all, letter A in our notes, that we are righteous in Christ. We are righteous in Christ. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can be right with God. We can be righteous today. That's an incredible thought. Because of the finished work of Christ, we can be right with God. And this has nothing to do with our merit or our ability. This is all because of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. This is speaking of Jesus. He was made our sin who knew no sin. He was the perfect Lamb of God that we might be made, look at this, we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, Jesus Christ. And so righteousness isn't your work and it isn't my work. Righteousness is Christ's work. This is what the Bible says. And if you're a Christian, we put on that breastplate of righteousness and we stand in the merit of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. That's what the Bible is saying. Stand in the merit of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And a Christian who, who has come to the way of the cross and put their faith in Jesus and doubts their salvation, nine times out of ten, it is the doubt of the dart of Satan that is trying to convince us that we're not good enough, that we have not done enough. Of course we're not good enough. Of course we've not done enough. It is placed on the merit of Jesus and Jesus alone. And we put on that breastplate of, of righteousness and we stand 
and the finished work of Jesus Christ. John Bunyan was a 17th century tinker who later became a preacher. I didn't say a stinker. I said a tinker. And and a tinker was one who would travel around and and he would mend metal utensils. And he wrote many classics. Of course, one of the classics that, that we probably have heard of is The Pilgrim's Progress. But he also wrote a spiritual autobiography called Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And in this, in this autobiography, he describes how he wrestled with so much doubt and fear and lack of assurance and confidence in his Christian life. He said that he went literally months and even years experiencing all of these doubts until one day something happened in his life. And I want to read what he wrote about that. He says, one day, as I was passing into the field, this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. With the eyes of my soul, I saw Jesus at the Father's right hand, and there, I said, is my righteousness. So that wherever I was and whatever I was doing, God cannot say to me, where is your righteousness? For it is always right before me. I saw that it is not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness is Christ. Now my chains fell off indeed, my temptations fled away, and I live sweetly at peace with God. I think we could say that he put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he realized that his salvation wasn't based on his own merit. It was found in the merit of Jesus Christ. And the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. The devil is constantly trying to get us to doubt the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'll say to you this morning, a doubting Christian is never a shouting Christian. And a doubting Christian is always a pouting Christian. And so we need to stand up and we need to be ready to fight. And we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness and say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, and I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. And that's what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, we are to seek his righteousness. But not only does it speak of our positional righteousness in Christ, But also, I think this breastplate of righteousness speaks of our practical righteousness. I can break it down for you this way. The imputed righteousness of Christ, that's positional. That's where we stand. But the imparted righteousness of Christ, that's practical. That's our sanctification. That's our life each and every day. And you can't get the practical without the positional You can't have the imparted without the imputed. That's impossible. And so you have to be born again before you begin the process of sanctification. And so this is living a life for Jesus Christ. This this is not only positionally being righteous, but pursuing righteousness in your life. And the Bible teaches us that we are to do that. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8 
the Bible says, think about this, but let us who are of the day, Paul says, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so here the breastplate is defined here with our actions to have faith in God and to love God and to love others. Now, wearing the breastplate of righteousness isn't self-righteous. We already understand that. It's a life that's lived for God. And it's allowing God to live through us. Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, look what the Bible says. It says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. And so the salvation that we enjoy positionally comes to the surface of our life and people see Christ in us. That righteousness is seen in our day-to-day life. So the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, don't, don't pursue money or materialism in this world. But Paul said to Timothy, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness. And so the pursuit of righteousness is a life that pleases God. A pursuit of righteousness is a life of doing what is right. And so Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. These are godly choices that protect us from the lies and the deception of the devil. The Bible says in Proverbs 8 in verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. You see, the breastplate of righteousness keeps us living in faith and serving Christ in love. And many Christians who doubt their salvation are Christians who oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes are not living for God. And so the Bible says put on that breastplate of righteousness and pursue that practical sanctification in your life and live for God and do what is right and honor him and please him with your life. It's so important. I want us to notice thirdly, and I'll be done this morning, the impact of the, bre- of the breastplate of righteousness. The impact of the breastplate of righteousness. So why do we need it? Well, we already define that by saying it protects our heart. And our heart is our inner being. It is a holy life or a life lived for God uh, imparts us in such an, an important way. And so living for God, of course, protects our conscience and it protects our emotions. And as I mentioned already, the devil hates it when a Christian uh, is living for God. He hates it when a Christian wants to do right. He hates it when a Christian marches forward to fight the good fight of faith. And if you're the only Christian in your household or in your family, listen, the devil is going to throw every dart that he can to discourage you, to keep you from standing on truth and walking and doing what is right. The reality is there is a battle And we need to be prepared for that battle. 
It's not uncommon for Christians who are not living for Christ to not be confident in their Christian living. And so the Bible teaches us that we are to put this breastplate of righteousness on. And if you're not living for God today, if you're not pursuing righteousness in your life, then listen, the devil is going to try to pluck that seed from your heart. He doesn't want you to make a decision for Christ today. So the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 14, to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Right living gives us that confidence in the Christian life, that peace in our heart. And there is nothing better in the life of a Christian than doing what is right and honoring the Lord with your life. There is no greater satisfaction in the heart of a believer than following God and pursuing righteousness in your life. The Bible says you'll see the Lord, and God will guide you and direct you, and you will see the Lord at work in your life. And so fasten that breastplate of righteousness to the belt of truth. And say no to selfish living. And say yes to Christ's righteousness in your life. And surrender your life to God. And stand firm in the truth of God's word. Trust in the work of Christ for your life. And by faith, love and serve one another. And God will be pleased. And God will help us. And we'll be prepared for that next dart the devil throws. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word and we're grateful for it.